With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's the latest, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the In the Paint Show presented by Ball is Life. Devin Newland here with Ronnie Flores back in the closet. Ronnie, you've been traveling the last couple of weeks, first to Texas and then to the Chicago area for Dinos' uh, Pangos um, All-Frost Soft Camps. Always good. Good stop, always. Good stops for you guys. Um, we're going to get into that later. Um, but today's a great day for everybody who likes basketball because the NBA is back. Yeah, uh, Lakers week. and Clippers. Yeah, Lakers and Clippers. Uh, Most teams open uh, Tuesday. tonight would be Tuesday. Tuesday or Wednesday. Yep. And then Big night for the NBA, obviously, for most basketball fans. You can kind of tell, like, on Devin on Twitter, people are, like, itzy for basketball because they start tweeting dumb things. and they're, Posting they're really stupid Random stuff, things. Yeah. And it's like, okay, the NBA needs to come back because they don't know anything about baseball. And football <laughs> is like... I don't pay attention to baseball until the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. It's 162 like, so games in yeah. the regular season. Who's who is sitting there watching yeah. game number Five hours. game number yeah. 62 between the Dodgers and I don't know the Mets, the Mets or whoever. Reds. Or the Dodgers yeah. Giants wouldn't be a good example because you know that's there's division. bad blood, divisional yeah. rivals, things like that. But no one's watching, you know, random baseball game in the middle of. Yeah, the summer, and that's always going to be a problem. You know, we're getting off topic a little bit, but it's always going to get off topic. <laughs> baseball is, you know, they're what are they going to do when this old guard, like the guys my age and my dad's, you know, the baby boomers who still like God, baseball, love baseball. Yeah. I love it. The baby boomers really love it. I like it. I just yeah. don't like sitting there and watching it yeah. in my. You don't at have home. the time. So yeah, all, all the yahoos that are on Twitter obviously have the attention span of like two seconds. So yes, they don't. They're true. not into it. So you know, very interesting that. You know, back to the point that the NBA starting, there's a lot going on. Obviously, there was a lot of uh, things going on with um, controversies, uh, you know, domestic and foreign. Now we're kind <laughs> we're of we're not going to get yeah, back into that one. Well, we don't need to because I think it showed itself. It, yeah, the evidence is there. You can take it for what it was. With regarding Pop Kerr and LeBron, anybody else had something to say? There's no need to get into it because they kind of showed their stance on it. They showed the league's stance on it. The league's a business. Business is open. Business is good. Business is going tonight. Yeah. So there is part of the business that's kind of uh, people are questioning or wondering what's going on there, and that's uh, the injury to the Pelicans' number one pick, the number one overall pick, Zion Williamson. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about that, Devin. Give your first initial take. Well, they you know first came out and it was you know he has a minor knee issue or a knee injury and he's going to miss you know the first couple of games that was the initial report and then all of a sudden yesterday uh you know the the breaker of nba news adrian warsnarowski came out and said actually you know he had surgery for a torn mcl and he's gonna miss you know the first six or eight weeks of the season that's alarming um a lot of people are wondering whether it's you know serious uh long-term i mean uh, it's for something. sure serious yeah. yeah or they're hiding some whatever but if it was a result of him carrying all that extra weight and also yeah. at the same time being the most explosive athlete we've seen come through basketball in a very long time. Yeah. With and in addition to that weight, with those yeah. things combined, and how much well, added pressure on his yeah. knees and all those things, and if this is just a precursor to a long-term 
you know, cycle of long-term in, cycle of injuries. Hopefully injuries. not because you know he's a great guy to watch play. Yeah, we um, all want to see him play. But he was injured at Duke. He was injured his senior year. Injured at senior year high school. Cool. Missed uh, yeah. how many games did he miss? Nine or ten. That's a lot of games. Sure. Just you know, again, we talked about the all-decade teams. Good to segment back to that to the last pod. You know, thanks for Stanley Johnson and Harrison Barnes for coming on again. But uh, you know, we talked about. Jabari Parker, he came back that senior year a little too early because of injury. Mm-hmm. Again, there was a lot of pressure on him. He wanted to win a fourth straight title. They had some nationally televised games. If he was at Joe Blow High School, would he have came back early that early to play the Harrison Twins? Probably no. not. He would have sat out eight or ten games. And game, same thing with Zion. You know, again, people want to see him play. There's a lot of pressure. There's national media going to his games. Should he have sat out more? I don't know. You know, it's just very interesting scene. Same thing at, at, at Duke. You know, there's a lot of uh, interest in him playing. I think we mentioned before, last year at Duke, many of his games on TV were more watched than the average NBA game. Right. So it's just a lot of people interested and... More... Yeah, there's other injury news, too. It's Clay Thompson. Yeah. Uh, he obviously got injured last year in the NBA Finals, also a knee, uh, knee injury, and he had surgery as well. And Steve Kerr kind of said today in a... In a uh, press conference that there's a there's potential that Clay Thompson might not return at all this year. A lot of people thought maybe he would come back um, during the All-Star break or not during but after the All-Star break uh, you know with the rehab time and um, Kerr said that there's a possibility that he does return this season but it's also very likely that he doesn't return at all. Um, what do you see that doing to this the NBA this year as far as contenders for the NBA title? It's in my opinion if Clay Thompson doesn't return, this could be the most um, wide open we've seen in an NBA long title time. hunt in a long time. Probably, in, and I could imagine in my lifetime that it's really? this wide open. Because I, I just think, you know, the Sixers, the Lakers, and the Pistons, the Bulls dominated. Yeah. And maybe the year after, the full year after Jordan retired, I could go back to. The one with he- when Houston won it? Yeah. Twice, yeah. they won it back-to-back? Yeah. So that, and then the year that Jordan retired after the shot against... Byron Russell. 97, so 98. Yeah, eight, yeah. And then the, the strike, so then 2000 seemed okay. kind of open. I don't know if people thought the Lakers were in limbo. They were good. They were young. They were entering their prime. They just come off having Kurt Rambis as the coach, and they had Phil Jackson. But I don't think the people thought, good. The people thought good, yeah. oh, the Lakers were just going to waltz through the title. Mm-hmm. It happened. And then the second and third year was like, yeah, they're the favorites. Okay. You know, so I would go back to like 99, 2000 maybe. You that know, makes sense. Again, the Lakers were had some good regular seasons with Dow Harrison, Kurt and yeah. then they just didn't get it done till to uh, till till uh, Phil Jackson 99 came. 2000 yeah. yeah so that was really kind of open Jordan was gone the Knicks were kind of good the year before uh, you said Portland really could have had Portland a, was good they yeah. never won that title they were really good in 99 and 2000 and then obviously San Antonio had lucked up and got um, Tim Duncan with David Robinson, David Robinson for a few yeah. years so that that they were all in the mix there but it was kind of wide open so that's what I kind of take it to Obviously, the Warriors are hurt because Durant is gone. Durant's gone. And then... Clay's out. We're going to see how good. All the Draymond Green fans, we're going to see how good he is. That's true, because he's going to be... Everybody, always oh, a top 15 player in the league. We'll see. Top 15? Yeah, 20. 20? I, I mean, yeah, I don't... We're going to see. Right, because he's going to be relied upon to not only do all the dirty work stuff... And, that he used to do. That he used to do, but to score. Yeah. That's going to be the key now. And it's like game plan for him. Steph, I mean, yeah. you're, Steph's going to have guys flying at him all over the place, and they're going to yeah. leave Draymond Green wide open for threes. Wide open. Which they've been doing. It's like that guy, 24-hour fitness, you know can't shoot. shoot. And he right. was like, 
sag off of him or go double the guy who can yeah. actually play. That's and now gonna he's going to get a little bit more attention. Yeah. I mean, he's in a, he was in a great spot with the core of that team when they were healthy. He's surrounded by the best shooters, group of shooters in probably in NBA history. Yeah. And he played his pro well. So it'll be interesting to see how, like you said, how Devin, how that all plays out. As far as, as far as, um, what do you think about the East title? I mean, 70, the, six, the Sixers are, are probably good. the best team. Yeah, because you've got Kawhi Leonard coming to the West. Right, that takes away a big, you know, huge Toronto. talent uh, from there. Uh, obviously, Paul George is out West. Uh, yeah. You know, so the, the best team right now, um, since Kevin Durant went to Brooklyn, he's injured. He's out yeah. probably the whole season. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be the 76ers and then uh, Milwaukee. With yeah, Giannis. Which and they've been there, yeah. They've been there, but I think... They have a good nucleus, and they're still fairly young. Yeah, I think the Sixers are the team to beat, not only because they have Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, but they added Al Horford. Wow. He's going to be a... you know, he's a gonna, good... Yeah, he's going to start at the four, but then you know, when Joel Embiid needs rest to kind of save his legs, because he has an injury history as well, when he needs to save his legs or, you know, keep his, uh, his stamina level um, good, Al Horford can slide and play the five. Yeah. Um, but uh, very interesting, very wide open, like you yeah, said. Yeah, the Celtics are down because you know Kemba Walker's a good, good NBA player, but is he a winner yeah. at that level? They just signed Jalen Brown to a four-year, hundred and fifteen some million dollar extension. Is so that the guy you want to put your future on? So then, what are you going to do with Tatum? They lost Kyrie. Then you have Jason Tatum. It's like so the You're Celtics are in him. limbo. Yeah. The Raptors. Um, it's funny how the down. windows for the Celtics or the perception of that team change fast. Yeah. Everybody's like, oh yeah, yeah. There's a great team, a great future. They're going to be the team of the future. That's changed fast in one year. Yeah. Yeah, it's really changed fast. So the West, uh, it's obviously is loaded as it usually is, Ronnie. Um, you have the two local teams, Lakers and Clippers. Lakers obviously added Anthony Davis, one of the top, you know, and they three, gave up a lot. Players. Obviously, we don't have to yeah, go into depth. We don't, we don't yeah. go into depth of that. Gave a lot of players, but I think yeah. I think in the long run, it, it made sense. Um, then Kuzma's out uh, for you know a little bit. He has an injury. He's he's nursing an injury. He suffered at USA Basketball. Uh, the Clippers obviously made the biggest splash in free agency this year with Kawhi Huge Leonard thrash, and Paul yeah. George. Uh, the trade for Paul George. Who they're facing off Tuesday night, Ronnie? Who is the best team in LA? Um, right now, I would have to say um, the Clippers. Don't do it. Yeah, you're you're yeah. disgusting. <laughs> the Clippers. I mean, because they got. Give me a reason. Well. Again, do the La- if the Lakers again we're talking about injury. Yeah, if yeah. the Lakers have if Anthony Davis misses fifteen yeah. games, and then you got an aging LeBron he, I think the Clippers have more leeway to be good over eighty two okay. games. They can have a few things to go wrong. They I think can make they have a trade. more they have more depth. They have more depth. And they're younger. Yeah. And they're coming off a title with their best players just coming off a title with another team. They're pretty hungry. They gotta be hungry and motivated. And Kawhi for all intents and purposes, is, is a pro. Is the pro is pro, and he's always there. on the court. He's, yeah. he's rarely ever hurt. Yeah, he's there. Um, hopefully, he can stay that way. Cause yeah, but yeah, I'm gonna as a lifelong Laker guy yeah. and covering the sport for so yeah. long now, I've, yeah. I've kind of been able to yeah. take fandom out. It's gone. Yeah. Like I, it's know, not a big deal. Yeah. It's not take, a big deal anymore. Like when out. I was a kid, dude, I was just like glued to the TV yeah. every yeah. single Laker game. I didn't care which. Who they're playing. playing. Yeah, you're playing, just watching yeah, them. Yeah, I'm just watching. Um, and enjoying them, and yeah. that's, that's what most people do when they're right. if you look at teenagers. The, look yeah. at the roster. You know, LeBron and AD, obviously two of the best players in the game. Um, Kuzma's great. Um, Avery Bradley, solid defensive yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, JaVale McGee, eh, Dwight Howard, I don't know what yeah. he's going to do. Um, they have a good nucleus and good team. They do have a good team, but here's the thing. Again, where is the shooting? Yeah. You're, lo- you're looking at Contavious Caldwell Pope as your shooter. The guy can't make a <laughs> shot. It's like one game he'll go, one go, one game he'll go eight. 
He'll go eight for thirteen from three, and then the next yeah. the next five games he's going a combined two of fifty. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. You're not going to put a whole. That's lot who of you want to put your, your chips stock in? on 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 Contavious Caldwell. Like, you know, it just so where again? Where is the shooting? So they, they 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 hired they um, yeah, signed they, Troy they Daniels. They hired Troy, they yeah. hired Troy Daniels. Same supposed difference. To be the shooter, same thing. <laughs> supposed to be the shooter of the squad. Um, but he is he a proven NBA level shooter? Correct. And the same thing we mentioned with Anthony Davis. I will argue this to people again. Great player, top five player in the league. He hasn't played a meaningful playoff intense game yeah. in his career yet. Yeah. So let him do it. I'm sure he's going to be fine. It's the same thing that happened with Chris Bosch when he went from Vancouver to the Miami. It took him like a month to adjust. He was, sure. he was terrible the first sure. game. I remember it was a big game against Boston to open that season, and I remember some sportscasters and sports writers saying, Bosch, we just laid an egg. Because it's just the intensity. What you know, it means a lot more. It just goes way up. So I think the that, good thing for him is he has that yeah. that. Um, Obviously, he's a little better than Chris Bosh. What, what yeah, yeah, that's true. Chris Bosh is great, but Anthony Davis is just a different level. Yeah, he has that security blanket that is LeBron James, who has been here and done that a million times. times. Yeah, but even LeBron in in tight game situations, sometimes he'll he'll miss a couple free throws. Sure, three or four or free throws defers a shot. Defer, to, yeah. So again, the scrutiny is going to be very high. But deferring a shot to say um, who uh, J.R. Smith, yeah. to deferring a shot to Anthony Davis are two completely yeah. different, different things, things, which is it's good. It's good for. LeBron. I think it's close. I mean, they both teams can conceivably win fifty-eight to sixty-three oh, no games. Doubt. I no mean, doubt. literally, they can. So Again, we, we throw in the the Rockets, who now have you know James Harden and <sighs> Russell Westbrook. That's a who uh, knows what it make. Of who that. knows what's going to happen with that? It can either be extremely great, or and they're just crushing bad. everybody, or it can be the worst thing to ever happen two, to two, the two city. good players. Yeah, yeah, two good players. Yeah, um, I believe I agree with that. Like, it's just they're both so, high usage guys. Yeah, and, and they then, both need the ball. They both have the ball. Look at. The Warriors are they? They're not really title contenders right now. Not um, right now. They could be Portland. If, boy, now CJ they and have Dame. To prove it. They have to no, prove it. they got to prove it. And then Denver, good team. Good team with Jokic and a lot Jamal of depth Murray. There. A lot of depth. They're going to be a good overall team. So I think They'll those be in the are playoffs. the fourth seed, third seed. Could those be are the third yeah. Seed. Those are all the pieces. I think that's a lot of tough games to win. So are in the mix. Even the Clippers and Lakers can go on a you know lose three out of five, sure. yeah. lose seven out of ten. You got to make up some ground, so yeah. you can't. The injuries of this year are going to be very important. Like if Anthony Davis misses seven games with a growing strain, or LeBron has to sit out the back, like you're yeah. going to drop a game or two here and fall back in the standings. No, yeah, I think it's all going to be real tight. But, yeah, like even from top to bottom, there's not, yeah. not going to be that much space between yeah. maybe the bottom two, but one through six, I think it's going to be like a yeah. A if you go on a five game, game yeah. yeah. If you go on a five game losing, you, you could drop be, five spots. You're going to be in trouble. So injuries played a lot in, in this preseason. Um, Who's winning the title? Yeah. Wow. Come on. We got to see Put who's on the spot. No, no, no. We got to see who's Pick one right now. Who's winning the title? I'm sick of you flip-flopping yeah. like a yeah. like a politician. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who's going to win the title? Take a stance. The house, who, who, who give me the four teams that I'll give Okay, you, we, it can't be Toronto obviously. So it's we got Milwaukee? No. Milwaukee Sixers. Sixers. Um the West teams the Clippers, Lakers, and who's the third team? Houston. Uh, Houston, no way. Or Den- Denver. Denver. Wow. It's really wide open, like you said. Yeah. I would say it's going to be – let's go out on a limb here and say the Sixers are going to figure it out. Wow. That they're going to get to the finals and the West is going to beat each other. They're going to the West beat, is gonna, beat the hell out of each other? Yeah, the West is going to have each other and something crazy is going to happen. So are you say, what you're saying is – Ben Simmons will hit a couple jump shots oh, here. I, I don't know about that. Joel Embiid will dominate inside. 
I think wow, but I again, think what you're saying is it's the, open. The NBA championship is going to be actually the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Yeah, because we don't know what team is healthy and emerges. So you're right. That's a good point. Um, I don't want to just go out an easy way and say it's going to be the Lakers versus Clippers in the West Final. I think that's what people want. Yeah. You know, that me, you know, if I'm saying the Clippers are the better than the Lakers, probably the Clippers if they put it together. Uh, meaning Doc gets them together, Kawhi brings them together, and they and they go on a you know. They play well together. There's no reason why they can't. If he can do it for Toronto, why can't he do it with this team? There is no, yeah. there is no there instance yeah. in which I would ever yeah. say that the Clippers will win an NBA championship. Wow, that's amazing. Just ever. imagine I won't that, even if say that it. happens, though. If, it, it'd be crazy. If, Le, if LeBron, Going into Kawhi, the new stadium, going into the it, new, you know, it'd be they're moving story out book. of Staples, would be like, wow. And if, the first year he wins back-to-back with another team, this would be his third crazy. team. He'll probably be the MVP. Now you're talking about one of the best players in the history of the game ever. Yeah. Three MVPs and three different teams. Like he's great. His greatness is yeah. is uh, unquestioned. Be, yeah. If him, LeBron, LeBron yeah. goes over there, AD goes to the Clippers. I'm yeah. not. I won't say it. Yeah. So I'm taking the Los Angeles Lakers to wow. win the title, the 2020 NBA championship, which they have a good chance, and that's going on a limb. So if you guys want to know, this whole preseason has been about injuries. So if you guys want to. Yeah. Know yeah. a little Let's bit more about that. that. Let's plug that. Go back to episode 35 of this podcast. Uh, we talk about the risks and impact of uh, single sports specialization for kids who want to play basketball, other sports. That was a really good one based on what we're talking about now with, with, with Zion. Because I don't think, Devin, me and you think this is much of a shock. No. With, the amount, with the amount that we see these guys yeah, play. It's not that much of a shock to me that he's yeah. a little hurt. Yeah. Uh, hopefully he's not hurt. What, what should they do with him? So, okay. If he's a, supposed to be out eight weeks, I think he should sit out two months. This is a hypothetical. Hypothetical. Say Some people are saying he should sit out the whole year. That's what I'm going to pose to you. So we've had yeah. a couple guys the last couple years, yeah. uh, Blake Griffin, Ben Simmons, Simmons. two of the yeah. major guys who Embiid. sat out the entire year, Joel Embiid. Yeah. Um, say it's eight weeks in. I'm not sure how many games. I'm going to throw out a number. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how many games it's going to be, but say the Pelicans are sitting at 5 and 15. Team. That's their record. And they're already 10 games out. Of, 10 games out uh, yeah. in the West. Do you... Yeah. Sit Zion the whole season. I would think of at least to send him to the All-Star break, yeah. I would sit him the whole season. Well, the only thing I would say that maybe a disadvantage of that would be if he was a six foot three DeJounte Murray guard, 175 pounds, I would say, yeah, sit him out. But since, is he going to get heavy and inactive? That's a, that's a big worry he's because a he's a fuck, thick dude. He's a big guy. Yeah, yeah, he's Just, a, and he's going to be 300 pounds or are you going to slide up and, and be real lean when he comes back? Man, because we're talking about his weight here. I guess you need to get it. You have to, to be move. in Zion's head. Yeah, you have to be in Zion's head. head. So if he's healthy enough yeah. to resume basketball activities, and he's then you have him play, yeah. you have him practice with the team, and yeah. just have him not play games. That might be smart. And lift weights. Because I know, think, like you said, at his stature, he's got to move and be active. If he's just sitting, he'll be like uh, he'll be like Refrigerator big. Perry. Yeah, he'll just be huge. Yeah, and that's what you don't want because that's what we're talking about here. So go listen to that episode thirty-five. When you get a chance, you know, we'll give us your thoughts. Maybe, you know, you have some more insight on this Zion's injury. And we're going to kind of switch gears here, Devin. Uh, get off the NBA for a minute and start talking about high school. Um, obviously, last week I was at the Pangos All-Midwest uh, Fresh Soft Camp at LaGrange, the park, the park district right outside of, outside of uh, Chicago's very, very good event. Um, the MVP turned out to be... A great kid from the state of Iowa, uh, Omaha Billu, and great, great wing, 
probably the best player we've seen in terms of performance and potential at the at these camps. I mean, just had a great, great camp. Um, can't say enough about it. Uh, he was also at USA Basketball the week before. There was five 2023s. And, you know, he uh, did a great job. Uh, kudos to Dino Strigonis, our guy. Uh, he had two great all-star games. The, the staff broke up the camp. Terrific. Uh, it was 104, 102, and two, uh, two overtimes. The second overtime was a sudden death. The game was won on Jalen Drain uh, layup. Drain had a terrific second half to lead the black team. Uh, 14 points in the second half in the All-Star game. Six assists plus the game-winning shot. Uh, I thought he was a top-five player in the camp. Uh, a couple guys didn't play in the All-Star game. They were also very good. Ty Rogers, who's related to our guy Brian Tuggs-Bowen. He's from Michigan. 6'6 wing. Omaha is about 6'6", 6'7". That was the strength of, the, of, the, of this group there in uh in Chicago was the the wings the top guys are all uh 6667 forwards can shoot do a lot of things AJ Casey from Tinley Park uh was kind of an inside player he did a great job as well came on the second day and did a good job in the All-Star game Javante JJ Taylor from Morgan Park in Chicago again another 67 forward uh rounding out about the top 5 with a kid from Nebraska Jason Green from Omaha Millard. So, very good event. Yeah, it sounded great, Ronnie. Um, unfortunately, my budget doesn't allow me to uh, get there like your big budget does. But we do have a guy in the line who who has been to almost all of you know Dinos's frost off camps for the last what 10, 11 10 years. Eleven years. Uh, Van Coleman. Van, thanks so much for taking the time out of your day to join us. It's good to be with you, gentlemen. So, what, what was your overall thoughts of the Chicago camp? Give me your give me your rundown. I thought it was, um, oh, you know, initially a lot of people were, were a little down on, on uh, Saturday morning about how good it was going to be. And I actually thought that it ended up being much, much better than expected. I think the one thing is because the uh, 2023 kids that showed up, uh, was that would be Omaha Baloo, Jason Green, and J.J. Taylor. Uh, those are kids that are going to vie for uh, top 25 spots in the class. Okay. And uh, it really lifted, I thought, the camp overall. Uh, I thought that the play in Chicago was a little better uh, than it had been the previous two uh, uh, Frostoff camps as far as the quality of the game structure. And I I think overall it was a very, very good weekend. Uh, And, uh, you know, that was kind of the way that I think that Ronnie and I felt uh, when we got to the airport and we're getting ready to head back that it uh, it ended up being a much better weekend than uh, it looked like initially. Didn't have the size the South had. Uh, it didn't maybe have the guard play that the West had, but overall, I thought it was very, very balanced and ended up being a very strong camp. Yeah, Van, that's a great point. We, You kind of made it a point to talk to some of the coaches, talk to the players, guys, make the extra pass, play right. You did that, and you felt you had to do it for this camp, and, and it worked out good. I think the non-Illinois players really uh, go there. Obviously, they're traveling from a little further. They want to play. And they uplift the camp in terms of extra passes, entry passes to the wings and to the, to the post. And I think that was a good job. What do you try to tell these kids when you speak to them or the coaches? And uh, why did it happen to work good in this camp? Well, the one thing was, is I think the previous two had been a little loosey-goosey, Ronnie. And, yeah. and one of the things that I felt that I had to speak up and say something quicker, faster to this group than I did to the other two. I didn't get to talk to the other two 
prior to the start of play, and sometimes that doesn't that we didn't get a set of tone. And then in the second camp in the South, remember we ran straight through because we were running late, so there was no break, there was no chance for me to critique the kids. And sure. I think from that standpoint, we lost all that. The first day was was lost in those other camps. This camp, I, I felt that we had to make a point that playing together showing your individual skills within some structure was really what we wanted to evaluate. And, uh, you know, there was a couple games that I had to, you know, get over and get on the coaches about it because you've got to stay with that. And to me, I, you know, I've been doing this for 43 plus years. One of the things about it is, and I ran Future Stars for 20 some years, what made it such a great camp for kids was we kept it as structured as possible so that kids can understand you have to play the game every time you go out the same way. In other words, you're trying to play as a team uh, first, then you show your individual skills within it. And those of us who evaluate will figure out those guys that have got the skills. Now, it didn't hurt that the number one player in the camp, Omaha Baloo, happens to be trained by one of my former campers, John Elder. And so that influence is always there with a kid like that. And because he was so good and he played the game the right way, I think when people are around him, when you've got a guy getting 10 blocks in the all-star game, yeah, giving an effort on both ends to be a guy who made an impact, I think that's, that's the kind of thing you start to see the camp really uh, step up to that. And I'm hoping that when we go out uh, east this time around that I have a chance to talk to him beforehand. We'll get it started the right way because uh, that's really the key, I think, to making these things work and work well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Van, I think on all three camps that we've seen so far, in terms of prospect and production, I think Omaha's has what he did was has been the, the best in terms of both. Now, obviously, maybe uh, there's been a, a prospect just as good or maybe somebody had a great production but not as good a prospect as Omaha, but he's that good. I mean, 23 points, five rebounds, 10 legitimate blocks, two blocks on the last possession to put the game in an overtime, save the game. And again, you know, his his team, uh, you know, got him, wheeled him there to, to that second overtime, which was won on the lead by Jalen Drain. Uh, he played great in the second half. But in terms, would you agree with that? In terms of prospect and production, he he's the best player so far. Well, I think so when you, when you look at his production in it. Yeah, I think yeah. there were other prospects, Kajani Wright, Aiden yeah. Shaw. Yeah. Uh, Aiden Shaw is the biggest surprise name we've had of all the all the uh, stuff this fall. Uh, Trey White fit right into that same level, but Lee Dort would also be there as well yeah. out of the southern camp, out of the west camp. But the way I look at it is, is that I think when you put all things together, Omaha Baloo put himself in, in, in the discussion for a top five spot in the class of 2023. Yeah, I would agree. Now, who would be a, a guy that maybe – really surprise you or in a lower tier, maybe 10 to 20 that you thought did really good in the Midwest camp? Well, in the Midwestern camp, I think that uh, there was a big kid that actually happens to be a teammate uh, or at least a, a, a guy that uh, plays with him in the summer, uh, a big kid by the name of Ruat Bijik, who uh, I think his, his potential is just off the, the charts. In other words, he's yeah. not there now. He's six foot nine. He can catch and shoot from three. He rolls to the block. He scores with the with the with the hook around the basket. But he's a puppy in the fact that I think he's going to be seven foot seven foot one. He's going to be a guy who, when he sees, he's got really good shoulders, so he's going to fill out. End up being about two hundred and forty pounds, and he's going to be scary. He's a guy that if he works real hard, works on his footwork and things down the road, could end up being an NBA player. And most people wouldn't even have noticed him. There was a guy, though, that was in the, in the top 10 that I hadn't seen before, who uh, a kid from Michigan by the name of Isaiah Jones, who didn't get to play in the All-Star game, 
But you talk about a guy with a motor at six foot four, six foot five, just absolutely plays his buns off. Those are the kind of guys that make it fun for me that when you go to these things, you find some guys. There was a lot of six eight guys that, with some skills, don't have the bodies yet. I mean. Nigel Hilton, uh, Xavier Amos, uh, Daniel Wolf, uh, some of those kids that I think are going to really be good down the road. So uh, I thought it was a fun camp from that standpoint. The Midwestern kids, what makes them different is they real quickly will adjust to coaching because uh, it, there's still a lot of that being done maybe in their yeah. area of the country. Uh, and I think that uh, it, isn't, it isn't about running the ball out and the best athletes. It's about the guys who want to play and want to put out an effort. And I think we see a lot more of that when we go to the Midwestern camp. Uh, I think if you remember last year, we had the, the, the Coupe kid from uh, Cedar Falls who nobody even knew anything about. And now he's, uh, I think, is uh, either on Team USA or is their first alternate. So uh, I think sometimes when you see kids like that, you just never know. But this is a camp that develops those kind of kids. Yeah, man, that's a great insight there. You're right. Isaiah Jones from Flint. Carmen Ainsworth in Michigan did a really good job. Too bad we couldn't see Ty Rogers. From uh, Grand Blanc in the who I had top three in the camp in the All Star game. The top five kids in the camp too. So definitely you know, you got a guy like that. There was a kid though that you asked for something maybe it was a surprise. He's like the fourth or fifth option on his AAU team uh, in the summer. He's kind of a glue 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 guy. His name is JD Roberts. Yeah, Jacob JD Roberts. Yes. This this kid this kid uh, just. Platt knows how to play. He's not pretentious. He's 6'4", 6'5". I think he's going to be 6'7", 6'8", when he's done. Be a really good wing swing man who can play a little two, a little three. Shoots the three. Plays really well. I think, you know, this is a guy's the fourth option on his AAU team. But yeah. he would be a guy who could maybe end up being a high major player down the road. Ben, I like your your um, comment there. He's not pretentious. Can you explain to our listeners what you what you mean by that? Break that down for us. Well, not pretentious player is a guy who understands his role. Yeah. He understands that I'm going to show what I got within the structure I'm given. I'm going to be the guy who tries to make my team better. A lot of guys think that when they come to one of these things, it's about how many points I score. Well, it's not about how many points you score. It's about how you score the points and how you contribute to what your team does that gets you noticed. Because, see, a lot of guys can score 35, 40 points a game, but their teams don't win games. Yeah, that, there's uh, a lot of guys like you see like that. For coaches down the road, what does that do for coaches? It gets them fired. Yeah, it's the guy who's going to find a way to win. A non-pretentious player is a guy who has talent, could be a guy who gets 25 in the game, but decides to get 15 and his team wins by 10. Yeah. When we look at it, just like talking about Omaha Blue, Omaha Blue had 23 points, five rebounds, and 10 blocks. Yeah. You think Obama Blue couldn't have 35 or 40 points in that game? Right, yeah. Sure he could have, but his deal was he was competing to win the All-Star game, not to worry about whether he had 23, 25, 27, or 29. Now, I'll guarantee you there was other guys who went one for 10 during stretches in that game that didn't care about that. They wouldn't know, did I get my 15 or 20? That was what it was about. I had a, had a kid uh, not too long ago. Matter of fact, it was at the Western camp. I don't even remember the young man's name. It's, it's, it's immaterial. His dad came up to me after the game and told him he had 25 points. Did they win? Uh, no, not only did win. <laughs> I said, yeah, but he took almost 25 shots. Yeah, right. So it's, sometimes it's, it's kids don't understand. There's a thing called analytics today in the game of, of basketball and in all sports. 
And, and I won't say that analytics is the end all. I will say analytics is a major tool for those who know. And the thing is, in some cases, though, it's being used as an end all. They need to understand this. You're listening. Your kids that are listening out there, their parents that are listening out there, understand that analytics will shoot your kid down. Going 10 for 25 and scoring 25 points means absolutely nothing. It's the 10 for 25 you better look at. Right. Because that means you were a 40% shooter or less. And when you do that, Hey, look, you should have probably been 15 or 18 for 25. Then you're getting noticed for your analytics. You yeah. need to understand that. Going one for 10 and five for six in two different halves, you were one for 10 in the first half. Your team's down 20. In the second half, you go five for six, they lose by 20. So what's the difference? Do you yeah. see a Do you see a shift of, of non-pretentious players from the West camp, um, you know, and then kind of uh, – dwindling down as you had more east or is it is there a similar ratio to that in all these different camps i think that it's a different ratio in every one of the groups in okay. the midwest we're going to see more kids that are going to play a little bit more together okay uh in the in the west it depends on which which team you look at there's yep. some teams that play very well together the south it's more about the athletes okay uh and, and it tends to be that way out east it's the shake and bake guard versus <laughs> the bigs yeah yeah the ones the two groups of those that'll play together They'll kill everybody all weekend long. Right. And then the other guys that won't play will be just as talented. You could go 10 for 10. They'll be just as talented. But they may be losing by 25 or 30 because they can't figure out how to how to do the things together. Uh, I think the biggest thing in the game today, and this is, this is the thing that always gets me, we've got analytics in the game. Analytics today, unfortunately, have decided there are only two good shots in the game. One of them is at the rim, and the other one is beyond the arc. Right. But yet, in the game itself... Only one out of every 20 players is a efficient guy at the arc, and about half the kids can get the ball to the rim, but they have nothing in between. And if you can't set up the dribble drive by making a jump shot outside, how, how are you getting to the rim? You can't because right. you're getting double and triple teamed off the dribble, and if you don't know how to penetrate and kick or to pick and roll and do some other things, uh, it, it becomes – so they're really – they're counterproductive. Mm-hmm. The four out one in game is a counterproductive game in my mind. You need a three out two in or a two out three in. Uh, it's a much more balanced game. You play the game in triangles, which means there's three people involved on a strong side, two people on the weak side. If the if the if the other point of the of the triangle moves, then it becomes the other side becomes a strong side. That's the way the game has been played for, for about a hundred years. And all of a sudden, we're trying to change this, but we're changing it without having a skill set works that works. We don't have a skill set to do that. How many teams shoot the ball in, in the NBA as well as the San Francisco Warriors did when they had all, all four of their main main guys? San Francisco Nobody. 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 Nobody, Nobody already remembers the San Francisco Warriors. <laughs> we just have silence on the air if we all sit here and look at each other and try to figure out this. Yeah. Now we got a couple teams that maybe have a couple guys that can do it because we had a whole bunch of trades. We had a whole bunch of shifting because they're all trying to figure it out. But the reality is... Nobody can play a four-out, one-in like the Warriors did. I don't care who they are. So you've got to find adjustments to that to make it work. Uh, how do you think they're going to play a four-out, one-in in Houston when you've got a dribble-drive guy, a guy who doesn't like to get contact but loves to take a shot or wants to isolate one-on-one as two of the four pieces that have got to be on the perimeter? See, it's like that. See, what I'm saying is yeah. we don't have things to support analytics, but people are running an analytics-type mindset. Yeah. And uh, today we're not fixing. We're not fixing. And Ronnie can tell you this: we're not fixing the thought process of how to make shooters. 
First right. of all, shooters don't even understand how to become a shooter. Right, right. Yeah. And, and that's the, the crazy thing. I'm talking to people this last weekend. I talked to a number of guys that are training people and kids. And I said, do you understand how to, how to determine what your real range is? They all looked at me like I was speaking German, French, <laughs> or Greek. And I said, real range is how far away from the basket you can make 80% of your shots unguarded. In a moving drill, a five-spot or a seven-spot drill, mm -hmm. that's done as close to game speed as possible. I said, most of you do not have a, a range outside of 12 to 15 feet. Sure. But you don't understand that. Yes, you can shoot a three, but the more you move back slowly with real range, the more efficient you become beyond the arc, I said. And you never start a shooting drill out here. No. You shot a shooting, shooting drill starts in the basket. Right. They don't understand that in today's game because they're not being taught that way. Even trainers today don't understand. If you're going to teach them a move, it has to. How does it translate into the game? If you're going to teach them how to shoot, you got to teach them the right way. Otherwise, it's a wasted product. It's got to look cool on video too, Van. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, no. See, that's the worst. Thing. See, after analytics. You know, love it. I, I love the fact that, you know, Ball's Life has, has done a great job, I, I think, really developing that genre, and they do a great job with it. You know, you got Baller TV, you got all these different people, uh, D1 Circuit, what, all this stuff. But the thing is, it's great to get that, but the thing is, you can't be playing to that. You look Correct. your work. It's like any, right. any actor. Anybody that's in an acting situation, if they look like they're acting, they suck. <laughs> if, they, if you don't know they're acting... You believe their character. Is that not right? You're right. Well, it's, no it's no different in basketball. If you look like you're acting for the camera, guess what? You're probably not going to look very good <laughs> on the camera. And yeah. it takes a damn good editor to make you look good. Right. Yeah. Because that's the thing I'm saying is, is that's, that's the misnomer. It's just like right now. We have one of the greatest young players to come into the NBA in a long time had surgery. Yeah, uh, or is going to have surgery, I guess, tomorrow, I think it is. Yeah, we talked about uh, But had a diagnosis he was going to. The bottom line is this. I saw him two years ago before his, his senior year at, in Vegas here at Adidas. Mm -hmm. and, and the thing was, he was carrying about an extra 20 pounds around with him at that time. Right. He can't carry that weight and do what he does right. without having a body failure. Yes, he does it because he's capable of doing it. He's capable of a 40-inch vertical. He's capable of doing all that wonderful stuff around the basket. But at 280, he needs to be 265. Sure. Yeah. Even LeBron found that out when he got to be 280, sure. 285, yeah. that he had to get back to 260, or he was no longer LeBron, and it would, he would have his career would be over had he stayed 285. Yeah, he'd be on the way down slope. Now he's going to have four or five more years. Well, Zion has got to figure out well, how do I get my body down to that weight. It's probably going to mean a change of diet and some other things that go with it. But if he does that. Then he's going to have that long-term career, and he won't lose anything strength-wise. He won't lose anything speed and, and explosion-wise. He's actually going to be quicker and more explosive if he does it. And you know what? What's the difference between stopping a guy that's 260 and coming at you at uh, 25 miles an hour or a guy that weighs 280 coming at you at 21 miles an hour? Both of them are a truck, right? That doesn't make any difference. <laughs> this is both a Mack truck. I agree with that. Right. We were talking a little bit about that, and um, we mentioned his weight. He's if, if he sits out a long portion of time – most likely he gains weight. So it's going to be very interesting to see what the Pelicans do in terms of how long do they hold him out? Because, you know, do they hold him out to the all-star break? Is he going to gain weight like a, a balloon or is he not? Yeah. That's why I said he's got to change his diet. Yeah. I went through this. I used to weigh 100 pounds more than I weigh now. You know that. Yeah. I'm glad you lost that weight. I lost my weight changing my diet. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not changing the amount of workouts I did. I'm still doing four or five workouts a week. I had to change what I ate and put in my body. Mm-hmm. He may have to find out what that is that he his body will, will best adjust to. Because if he doesn't do that very quickly, like you said, 280 becomes 290, mm-hmm. 295, yeah. 300 real quick when you ain't doing anything. Yeah, and that's what I'm scared of if he sits out an extended period of time. And it's probably not good. I think I saw Dane Irvin say this on Twitter. It's not good he's in New Orleans because butter is considered a vegetable. I think Dane Irvin said that. <laughs> and that struck me as pretty funny because yeah. the food there is not like the healthiest of food. It's French food, dude. Right. French food has butter in it, right. cheese in it. It's just covered with all kinds of fat. <laughs> it sounds stuff. good to that's, me. And that's, and, that's, and that's why when you go there, you have a great meal. You're, you're going, no, oh, I really like this New Orleans. I want to come back here. <laughs> then you get on the scales when you get home, and it's like 10 pounds. You said, but I didn't eat anything. Yeah. yeah, that's a great stuff, man. We appreciate the insight. If you want to mention anything you saw in the South Camp, go ahead and yeah, fire away. Uh, you know, we, we talked about some of the top guys. Uh, you had Trey White, Jordan Walsh, who 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 was a great athlete. You talked about athlete. I think the guy who really surprised everybody, Van, was Ryan Argawal. Talk a little bit about him. The six-five uh, uh, wing who flat out can just shoot it. Yeah, knows how to play. He played himself into the top fifty in his class with his play down there. Anybody that doesn't think he, he belongs in that in that level is, is is kidding themselves. This is an athletic wing who can flat out shoot it. Uh, he plays unpretentiously. He does the go. things that are right. At the end of the day, analytically, he's going to look like a superstar. And that, that that's the thing. I, I think right now, any high major that hasn't added him to their name with all the publicity is kidding themselves. And he's a kid who I think uh, will go to the best opportunity. Uh, he, he, he's a, he isn't going to worry about necessarily staying close to home. He wants to play at the right opportunity. So I, I think that it'll be interesting to see how he picks up in the recruiting world over the next uh, six months and how many guys go see him in high school to see can he do the same things in high school he did in the free-form things at Pangos, and then where does he end up as far as what team gets him for a next spring on the circuit? Because I would imagine, because he might have been a, a fourth or fifth or sixth option for somebody, just because, unfortunately, that's kind of the way a kid like him gets, yeah. is that uh, he's going to be a commodity that will have a, a little bit of that side recruiting between what shoe he wears. Makes a lot of sense, Van. We appreciate the input. Thank you for uh, you know offering your knowledge and expertise, and we'll see you uh, next weekend in West Deptford, New Jersey. Thanks, Van. Well, we'll be there, and uh, we'll, we'll have, uh, have uh, hopefully I'll be able to stay awake, Ronnie, because I'm in on that red eye, so I'm hoping that I survive that, and we have a great weekend. See Thanks. you then. Thanks, man. Ronnie Van, Van Coleman. Coleman. Yeah, just, uh, he's always great to, yeah. uh, to bring on to things like this, because there's one thing about Van that I like, and I try to mirror what he does. He doesn't bullshit anybody. Yeah. Like, he's straight up, like, he'll tell you how it is. He doesn't care what you think. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't care who you play for. He doesn't care how many stars you have. doesn't care any of that stuff. Who your scholarship offers are. Who your offers. You know, what shoe deal you have. He right. don't care. No. And he really did that. He really did go to the uh, Midwest camp, and he laid into a couple coaches and kids and uh, early before we had the break. And they said, hey, we got to play better team ball. And it, it worked. I mean, it did. He, did, he fires them up. You know, sometimes you could – Easily as a young kid, tune him out, but also he could fire you up either he, way. He does have that motivational factor about him. Instead yeah. of like, yeah, instead of like, like, he yells, like, he's got, like, you, as you can hear from his voice on the phone just now, he has a strong voice. Yeah. But um, he doesn't talk to the people, talk to the people like they're idiots. Yeah, no. And he's to the point and contrite. He cares, so he makes you care. Sure. He wants the camp yeah. to be good, he wants the kids to play well. Yeah. 
and he makes that known. And, and it's yeah, yeah, he made a lot of good points. I can points. imagine the people's faces, like yeah. the coaches' faces when Van's over there just screaming at him um, to, you know, make sure they're playing the right way and all that, and they they want to um, make sure, you know, that things are, are running right. Is that what you saw? Yeah, that's definitely what I saw there. Um, uh, you know, he he has a lot of passion. He mentioned Ryan Ar- Argoel, and, uh, you know, Ryan Sacapa High School, 6'5", 222. I want to give the details of some of these kids. And, um, you know, Trey White, who I had number one, he did really well from start to beginning. San Antonio Cornerstone Christian. I think the MVPs of the camp, uh, Dino Stragonis picked Keontae George from Louisville. I've seen Texas. him. He's good. Yeah. Very good player. Uh, did good in the All-Star game. Frank Burleson, a guy who goes also to all the off camps. He liked Lee Dort, the big guy from Plano, North Dallas, Adventist. Uh, Robert Jones was good. Jordan Walsh, who we'll see uh, at San Diego, Torrey Pines Holiday Classic, Cedar Hill Faith Families. They have a good young team. They won the state championship in the Class 4A. They beat Yates. So that's going to be a big battle there in Texas's Class 4A. And look for those two teams. Uh, you know, they could be in the Fab 50. I'm not going to tell you where they're in, but they could be in the Fab 50 that we're going to release starting on October 27th. Again, uh, that was a great camp. And I want to jump a little bit, Devin, into uh, the what sandwiched in these two camps was the USA basketball. Sure. Uh, our guy Omaha Baloo was there. Again, he wasn't as, as uh, I, I noticed him as a specimen, a kid who could really play. He wasn't as aggressive. Maybe because the setting he wants to learn. There's high-level kids at, at each position. He's one of the younger kids. Um, there's obviously 220s to 223s. There was five 223s. Um, I would say based on following up what he did at the um, at the Midwest camp, that he was probably the best 223 there, along with uh, DJ Wagner, mm-hmm. who is Dewan Wagner, yep. the Camden Great's son, who's grandfather is Milt Wagner, who also went to Camden High School, and DJ's going to be a freshman at Camden, New Jersey High School this fall. He was too, he was very good, good shooter. Uh, speaking of the young kids at USA Basketball at the mini camp, again, sandwiched in between that week. Um, you know, Omaha really helped him to go to this camp. I think uh, just based on his production, his potential, he's like, he's like Vance said, he's got to be a top 10 kid in that class. I can't imagine there's 10 kids better. Obviously, the dust hasn't settled, Devin. We'll see what happens in the East. Hopefully, uh, DJ plays at the East camp. That's that camp's going to have a lot of big kids, a lot of talented kids from the Philly Catholic League, some from the Public League, mm-hmm. from various states. It's going to be really good this upcoming weekend in West Deptford. Uh, speaking back to the two twenty threes, a young kid who barely turned fourteen years old. He's a freshman at Salesian. So, Devin, you'll get to see him at the Classic at Damien after Christmas. Is uh, Courtney Anderson Jr. really? Uh, Terrific kid, wants to get better. He understood the position he was in, and he understood he needed to use that that mini camp as like, wow, this is where I'm at. Okay. So at times he struggled, you know, sure. straight ahead. He's, a, you know, he's like a 14, just 15 yeah. year old. Yeah, that makes sense. 14 year old, barely turned 14 year old. He's a young 14 year old for this class, so he could easily be in eighth grade. Uh, his dad played for the LA Raiders, played at San Jose State, and I believe he played at Richmond High. He told me. Mm. Uh, so he was there soaking it all up, uh, but he has a lot of talent. Again. Uh, they have DeMarche Johnson. They have uh, uh, Austin, a guard there at Salesian. So they're going to be good again. I think they're going to surprise people just sure. like they've had with when they had a Kinjo. They're yeah. tough. Yeah. So he does – He I go, hey, how's the practices going? How's things going? He goes, man, I got to really s- fight to you know get some playing time. 
uh, with my team. So you know, Coach Bill Malice does a great job there. Um, other 223 was Chris Lockett Jr. from Newman High in uh, New Orleans. He goes to the same high school that high school great Randy Livingston went. And believe it or not, Randy's now coaching at Isidore Newman High School. I think, Randy uh, Livingston, who went to LSU. Yeah, this is he played in the NBA for the Bulls and other teams. Now, Randy was a great high school player, and he got hurt, unfortunately, uh, at really LSU. Random. I think Peyton Manning's nephew goes there. He's a quarterback, yeah. a freshman. He's yeah. like really good, too. Yeah, because yeah. Peyton went there right. to Newman High yeah. around the same time that um, Randy Lady, did. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Peyton is, I believe, one year younger than, than Randy. And okay. They were like gods there right. at the time. I remember like, oh, wow, Peyton's playing football, Randy's playing uh, basketball, and Randy was a National Player of the Year uh, type of player twice with uh, Jason Kidd, Rasheed Wallace, Jerry Stackhouse, that that group of sure. players. So Chris has a lot of ability. He needs he's a, needs to work on his skill level. He's a great slasher right now, great athlete. So he's 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 he has a chance to be good down the line. Uh, the other young kid who was there uh, was from Vance High School in Charlotte, North Carolina. Another 14 year old lefty shooter. Uh, hanging with the competition was Jalen Curry. A uh, good player, again, from Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, going to the older guys, Kate Cunningham wasn't there. He was he was, uh, he was on a visit. I think the main thing people wanted to get at was to see where the Haltons, to see where Evan Mobley was, you know, just because he hadn't been playing much with Rancho Christian in fall and uh, previous in the end of the summer. I think he played at mine on the 28th, 29th. Yeah. That was pretty much the last. The last is the yeah. action. He Maybe played really first, well at your event. First weekend of October. And, he boy, he he got in there with Chet Holmgren. I mean, guys around the rim, whether it was Isaiah Todd or other guys, they couldn't. he was throwing a lot of yeah. shots, played really well. The matchup with Chet Holmgren was terrific. Chet Holmgren's obviously the 2021 from Minnehaha Academy and plays with Jalen Suggs. And, and I think Evan showed at this camp that he's also has a chance to be the national player of the year this year. He's not just like this long-term prospect. Like he can be a player, a dominant player now yeah. with, with that group. He was blocking a lot of shots. Chet is very good as well. So we'll see where Minnehaha and Rancho Christian land in the Fab 50, Devin. They're great players, great teams. It was a great camp. I think I stalked, spoke to Coach Jones from DeMatha. And we were talking about something else. And he did mention, I think this was our best camp ever. And I think I would agree with him. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where the Fab 50, um, what, what happens with that. Teams. I mean, you're going to drop that uh, this upcoming Sunday, the yeah. 27th. The three-part series. So three-part we'll series, Get yeah. it going with 31 through 50. We'll roll it, we'll roll it out we'll roll in it a out. backwards format, 31 to 50. 16 through 30. And then the top 15. 15. And yeah. next week, we will jump back on the In the Paint show and um, kind of uh, break that down a little bit. Uh, talk about you know the best the teams camp. in the regions. Yeah. Talk about the East Camp, and then the following week we'll have some guests. We'll talk to some coaches, Fab Fifty coaches. coaches that are in there. So we'll get more in depth about it and take a, break down the different regions. Yep. So look for that you know next week on BallIsLife.com. Uh, you can look for some content we have. You know, thanks to Van Coleman, uh, interesting Vans from Iowa. You know, Harrison's from Iowa, and the best player uh, Omaha Blues from Iowa. So been kind of an Iowa theme the last last few weeks and uh we'll see what, what transpires in the next couple weeks yep. and, and and as always we appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day to, to listen in um if you like what you hear please head over to soundcloud or spotify or itunes give us a like and subscribe um but for this episode of the in the pain show i think that'll do it so we will see you guys next week